All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, flying solo once again for another look at Raw and Nitro from 1996. This week, we're going to be analyzing the March 18 episodes of both shows. Quick tail of the tape, Raw drew a 2.9 to Nitro's 3.6, which is one of the bigger ratings in the history of uh, the Monday Night War so far. Um, Raw had only previously once in the timeline drawn a 3.6, and Nitro had drawn a pair of 3.7s leading up to this, Um, not directly several weeks back, but in the uh, Monday Night War era anyway. This is, of course, the go-home show to Uncensored, a train wreck which I'm dying to get my hands on. And we're two weeks out from WrestleMania 12, which, while it may not be regarded as quite the same train wreck, keep in mind it is going to have the Huckster vs. Nacho Man match on it, so there is some really awful goodness coming up in our near future. Carl will be joining me on the upcoming Raw and Nitro show at some stage in the very near future, as well as WrestleMania and Uncensored, so we've got that to look forward to. And then I've got actually a whole host of very um, special guest hosts coming up in the next few weeks, so we're going to have a bit of a busy time period with lots of different people appearing on the show. I hope you all enjoy each of those episodes. But for now, it's just me, and we're going to go over to Nitro first and see what WCW has to offer. Nitro actually does something different to start the show this week. We don't go to the commentary team and a rundown of last week's events and this week's happenings. We actually catch an in-progress battle in the aisleway. Giant is beating the crap out of Loch Ness before any introduction whatsoever. Um, It's meant to be Loch Ness versus Lex Luger from what the commentary team tell us, Uh, but it's a pretty hectic start and Giant just really beats the shit out of him here. He actually goes for a little while and during this happening, Lex Luger walks out to his music and his pyro for a full end entrance, completely ignoring the fact that two behemoths were brawling right next to him, then kind of just shrugging and walking his way to the ring. So that was a good bit of character work for Lex Luger and a really cool way to start the show, I thought. Lex gets in the ring and tells the referee he rings the bell. Surprisingly, the referee thinks this is a good idea and does ring the bell, which, considering Loch Ness has never entered the ring, seems pretty poor officiating. But this allows Lex Luger to pick up the count-out win. Lex Luger jumps for joy at the announcement, and Jimmy Hart runs in to celebrate. Lex Luger celebrates with him, then realizes, oh crap, we're not supposed to be friends, and ushers him away. And then Lex heads over to the commentary table, saying he's on a roll, and watch out Hulk Hogan, he's coming for your title. Really, really awesome awesome character work for Lex Luger here. After this madness of a brawl and a non-match, we go to our first commercial break of the evening, and when we come back, Tony Schiavone is with the Mega Powers. That's right, Tony Schiavone, not Mean Gene Oakland. Talking about a weekend world championship, but not only tonight in the Texas Tornado match, but how about the blockbuster you made, the announcement last Saturday night, your friend, the Macho Man, the Mega Powers together in the Doomsday 
Cage this Sunday. Well, you know something, Tony Schiavone? This place is on fire with Macho Mania and Hulkamania, brother. Check it out, dude. But the thing that is the coup de gras is the fact that right now we have the upper hand. After the six-man double strap lumberjack match, brother, last week, now the Texas Tornado match, I predict the same momentum on Doomsday and Uncensored, brother, because I didn't sign it Hulk Hogan, dude. I signed it Mega Powers. And if we go all the way to the top, we go to the top together. And if we bite the dust, we bite the dust together. But that's not gonna happen, brother. Macho Man Randy Savage, from now on, call Hulk Hogan the dirtiest player in the game, brother. I like that, yeah. There's a fine line between hate and love, yeah. And cold and calloused as we are, we kind of remind ourselves as Butch Cassidy and a Sundance kid getting ready for Uncensored. But you know what? I like the word, and I like the phrase uncontrolled chaos, because the tip of the iceberg is going to happen nitroglycerin style in a little while. Yeah. Absolutely, tonight the Texas Tornado match, but what about what Kevin Sullivan said about Uncensored? What we like about the Texas Tornado and Uncensored, brother, is there are no stinking titles on the line. We're going to wreak havoc everywhere we go. And yeah, Tony Schiaffone, I heard that demon Kevin Sullivan. I heard what he said, but I don't care what he comes up with out of the dungeon. I don't care what comes out of the pot that he's doing. I don't care if I have to look at the fires down below. The Macho Man, all these Hulkamaniacs, brother, at Doomsday, one cage at a time. Bring all your horses, bring all your men, because the Mega Powers are going to kick your rear end again. Right, Macho? It's not over till it's over for you guys. Guess what? It's over. Starting tonight. Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, what it is, is what it is, brother. And what you gonna do in the Texas Tornado and Doomsday when Macho and me run wild on you? So Macho and Hogan quite clearly pumped up for the Doomsday Cage, though the exact proportions and number of opponents are not really sort of coming through with the details as of yet so we're gonna have to just watch this space and see what it ends up to be and then we go to what is referred to as a standby match the public enemy up against the Steiners I guess filling in for Loch Ness and Lex Luger that was gonna be a sort of 20 minute classic I'm imagining and then we get a really weird sound dub during the entrances of public enemy um I'm not sure what music they use, but it's overdubbed quite badly and takes away the crowd noise as well. They get a table, and this doesn't really garner much of a reaction because of the overdub. Bischoff takes more shots at the WWF during this, saying the World Winding Federation, and that this is going to be good old-fashioned wrestling, not canned stuff from the week before. When the match gets underway, Scott and Rocco get started. Rocco comes off with an arm drag before Scott comes back with a big slam and then a press slam, and then some brawling along the outside, and Rick Steiner and Johnny Grunge come in. Steiner hits a power slam before um, Bischoff tells us that just now Dennis Rodman has been announced as having a six-game suspension from the NBA for headbutting. Don't be surprised if he turns up with Hulk Hogan. So a little bit of foreshadowing there for the years to come. I don't think they knew about that just yet, but they are selling the fact that Rodman and Hogan are good friends. <laughs> 
Grunge on the outside hits a bulldog onto a chair, but not a folding chair, more like a plastic school chair. You know, it's all one piece and you can't fold it at all, so that was a little bit weird. Rocco then with a slam and a second rope moonsault, which was quite cool, and a DDT comes off the top rope but eats a power slam on the way down. Scott Steiner comes in and hits a lovely T-bone off the second rope for a two count before Rocco hits a sprinting, a sprinting, a springboard moonsault, sorry. Grunge comes back in and hits a DDT for a two, followed by a short clothesline before Scott Steiner hits a lovely overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Rick comes in, there's a bit of a four-man brawl. Rocco hits a somersault, somersault plancher, as I trip over my words, uh, but goes through an empty table because Scott saves Rick pulling him off the table at the last second. We then get the Steiner Brothers finishing move, which I don't actually know the name for, so if anyone does, let me know. I just call it the Doomsday Bulldog because it goes up for the Doomsday device, but instead of a clothesline, is a bulldog. And that's enough to pick up the victory, the Steiner brothers looking very impressive on their second week back picking up the win over public enemy we go to a commercial and on the way in or out we're told that this week on wcw saturday night the legion of doom will take on the public enemy and rick flair will take on sergeant craig the pitbull pitman our next contest is arn anderson being escorted by woman up against the booty man um, we get told that the booty man was undercover for Hulk Hogan for one year trying to sort of retcon the heel turn on him and he gets absolutely zero reaction from the crowd. We get a shoulder block and a strut from booty to start with, some brawling along the outside. Um, the commentators talk about uncensored and why is booty man not in that match is what I'm wondering. We get strikes in the corner, and Anderson powders to the outside after having no offense. He comes back in and does get on the offense for a little while with some strikes and works on the back. Um, comes off the second, but eats a uh, gut punch on the way down. Booty then hits a power slam, a backdrop, and Woman takes a heel off to try and help Anderson out. But this brings out Kimberly, or the booty girl as they're now calling her, to distract her. They both come out to try and um, sort the mess out, Arn and the booty man, that is. And on the way back in the ring, Arn puts his head between the ropes to get in and eats the high knee for a 1-2-3 in a really shitty match. Um, anyone, Anytime anyone tries to say that Hogan did put people over and points to Arn Anderson, just remember, within a month of that, he was jobbing the booty man clean in the middle of the ring after getting virtually no offense. They go to a commercial break, and then we come back, and it is time for the LOD versus the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys come out really heavily bandaged and bruised, and we're told they're keeping tight-lipped on whether or not it was the LOD or the Steiner brothers that attacked them and took them out of the match last week. The Nasty Boys storm the ring, and we get a four-man brawl, um, a lot of chaos in and out the ring. And as I write that it's a lot of chaos in and out the ring, Bischoff calls it chaos immediately afterwards, which was pretty funny. We get a commercial break while they're still brawling, an uncensored ad, and when we come back, believe it or not, they are still brawling. Uh, the Nasty Boys hit a double-team shoulder block before Animal crutches knobs after going to the top rope, and then he gets hit off the ropes in the crutch position to the outside to the rail in a really nasty-looking bump. Sags then picks up the aforementioned school chair and attacks with it. Then Animal attacks with the same school chair. Animal hits a shoulder block, and they finally get in the ring. Hawk comes in and hits a pair of splashes, um, and then awfully botches a takedown. It's not very good at all. And the commentary team informs us that Tony Schiavone's handling the interviews because Mean Gene is home with the flu. 
We get a hawk uh, kicking in the balls, and as the referee's distracted, of course. And Mongo says the growing muscles is how he refers to that, so I'll let your mind do the rest. Animal hits a power slam and an elbow for a two count. Nobs gets knees up on a splash and brings in Sags, who hits a clothesline. We get another four-man brawl before the Steiner brothers come out. The referee's distracted, and Animal uses one of the spiked gauntlets on one of the nasty boys to pick up the one, two, three, and a bit of a heelish move. He did that on the Steiners last week, but surprise to see the face LOD cheating to beat the heel nasty boys here so a bit of a three-way um, tag team feud brewing here and it's a bit interesting and I think I could really get involved with watching these three just beat the shit out of each other I do quite have a soft spot for all three teams we then have another uncensored commercial and we're told that we won't have any pictures or any replays or any footage of uncensored shown on TV so you must order the pay-per-view it's going to be too barbaric to show later on we then go to our main event of the evening, which is a Tornado tag team match. Ric Flair and Kevin Sullivan, who get pyro during their intro, taking on the Mega Powers, who come out to Hulk's music and also get pyro during their intro. Just like the previous match, we get a four-man brawl to start with, and we get Hulk Hogan in a bit of a comedy spot, taking a novelty foam hat, you know, like what the ones the smoking guns used to have for sale on like the old WWF magazine for kids to wear, and sticks it on the head of Ric Flair like in a cartoon and pounds away on him while he's got the hat over his face. Sullivan and Macho pair off initially, as do Hulk and Flair. Um, Flair gets caught coming off the top rope. Hulk gets a 10-punch spot. Flair takes his patented corner bump. And then they swap dance partners for a while. We get split screen while they're brawling around the ring and they do swap partners a couple more times. Uh, Hogan uses a school chair that we've been talking about all night. Um, all the, it's basically all offense for the faces. The heels very little offense in the early portion of the match. Macho Man hits a clothesline. Ric Flair tosses Hogan out and then goes to double team the Macho Man. And he puts a figure four on him. But Hulk then comes in and puts a figure four on Kevin Sullivan right next to them. Macho reverses his figure four. Ric Flair then shoves the referee. Um, unfortunately, Randy Anderson, the referee, is having none of it and shoves him right back. And Flair takes a huge bump on the receipt. So Flair's getting his ass handed to him from Macho Hulk and the referee now. The commentators mentioned Dennis Rodman about a hundred more times during this match as well, talking about how his great friends were Hulk and he might show up at Uncensored. It's not going to happen. It's a pretty... Oh, it's not a tactic I like, seeing them tease something could happen that they know is not going to happen. It's still a four-man brawl, and the show actually runs long on this episode. Bischoff makes mention of it, saying that the network had agreed to let this match run in its entirety, and they go about eight minutes over their normal runtime, so that was pretty cool. Assuming they were trying to run late to stop people switching back to Raw, but not having the um, 1996 mind in front of me not being there live, I couldn't tell you that for sure. Hulk no-sells some more as we go back to the split screen on the brawling. Flair hits a low blow, and the heels finally get some control, but it doesn't last very long as Hulk comes back. Ric Flair hits um, him with a heel to the head. Sorry, with woman's heel to the eye of Hulk Hogan, who no-sells it like the absolute prick that he is, gets up. Arn Anderson comes out as well. And then Pillman comes out the crowd and begins attacking the Macho Man. But Kevin Sullivan beats on Pillman, which is just really weird. It's, you know, obviously part of this loose cannon thing that's going on, but it is hard to keep up with. Booty Man comes out and then, holy fuck, two behemoths walk to the ring. The commentators don't mention them, but the first one is someone that we all know and love. The man, the myth, Zeus. 
The other man is another huge behemoth, but not someone that I instantly recognise, having not been a WCW fan in the mid-90s, and it was actually the final solution. Yes, that's right, WCW bring out a big monster to take on Hulk Hogan and name him after the Nazis' attempt to eradicate all the Jews from Germany. Well done, WCW. What he is, though, is an absolute monster of a man, and doing a bit of research on him, turns out he played Bane in Batman and Robin, don't get your hopes up, not The Dark Knight Rises Bane, but the Batman and Robin movie, which, on a little side note, was something I saw at the cinemas, I must have probably been about 12 at the time, and yes, I did realise, even at that young age, that that movie sucked. The show actually ends with Hulk and Macho Man powdering into the crowd to get away from the flock of heels in the ring, and they cut a little bit of a promo on the babyfaces, finally getting the upper hand for once, even if they're having to outnumber them many, many times over. Uncensored! Tony! Shivani! Good luck! Take it! Eric, Bobby, Mongo, we've seen a lot of things here on Nitro, but continuing to come up with the shockers... Look at the size of these two men. And I guess you were right when you said last Saturday, we're going to play the very last Trump card in Uncensored. We're playing the last Trump. You see, Hogan, when you decided to bring your best friend into death row, we just upped the ante. I was after thieves, beggars, cutthroats, low lives, and people that would end this thing that is known as Hulkamania. You witnessed the very first of it tonight. You know, Savage, earlier tonight, baby, you said you and Hulk Hogan were like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I said, no, baby, you're more like dumber and dumber, and you're going to find it all out and uncensored. Hogan, wherever you are, wherever you might be, Remember, the next time you see this, it'll be in the pockets of this. Do something about it. Come on, Hulk. Look at it. No No rules. Anything goes. Watch Hogan. This is how it goes. Big Brother Booty, some might perceive that you finessed your way into taking my unbeaten record on Monday night and putting a blemish on it. But Hogan, when you decided to snake Savage in the back door, we just did one-upsmanship. As you look around you, just when you thought they couldn't get any bigger or any better or more vicious, you take all your finesse and you mix it in with unadulterated violence and an uncensored we're gonna make you slow bleed. Hogan, as the spider said to the fly, welcome to the cage. Everybody in the world knows this man and what he did to you in the late 80s. Hogan, my whole mission in life was to find this. The problem I had with the horseman is over. The only problem you have now is finding a hospital bed for you and Savage. And by the way, the Wolverine is back. Macho Man, Macho Man, in closing, when we put you and Hogan in the hospital, 
I'll bring Elizabeth to see you. After she rides baseball all night long. Gentlemen, only thing I can say, this is the alliance to end Hulkamania. And all these gentlemen, plus maybe many more, will be in the cage of Sunday. Eric, back to you. So that's how we end Nitro. Very different to see Hulk and Macho not just standing tall for a change. So a little bit of something different. Trying to build a bit of heat going into the pay-per-view, though. I dare say they've probably left it a little bit too late. We're going to head over to Raw now and see what they've got to cope. Um, overall, Nitro, three tag matches and a singles, as well as a bit of a chaotic start. It was a mixed bag, and but an interesting show. So Raw's going to have to do a little bit to compete with this one, I do think. Michaels, the road to WrestleMania has been long and winding. And just yesterday at the Pack Madison Square Garden, the quest was nearly sidetracked by a reckless high-octane eruption. Big Daddy Cool lost his cool, first attacking The Undertaker, then prepped the Hitman Hart, and then unleashing his rage in a cowardly assault on his best friend, Shawn Michaels. Tonight, Diesel is in action, and the man from the dark side is in the house. And tonight, you won't believe what billionaire Ted reveals, his true colors. You can't handle the truth. All this and more tonight on Monday Night Raw. So Raw starts out with the video package just played there with Vince letting us know the state of affairs. We open up with the British Bulldog taking on Jake the Snake Roberts for our first contest. Two legends of the late 80s, early 90s. This should be an interesting one. Jake goes to work on the arm pretty early and goes for a DDT attempt very early, but the Bulldog powders to the outside. This does bring a loud DDT chant from the crowd. Um, Jerry Lawler, sorry, mentions the Mike Tyson and Frank Bruno fight, so that puts you right around the time era of where we are. Uh, goes on and on and on about it repeatedly and saying how there's going to be much more action during the during Raw than there was during that bout. Jake comes back with a hip toss before the Bulldog has some strikes and goes to work on the back, but misses a leg drop. Jake hits some punches and Jim Cornette distracts him, allowing Bulldog to get him up for his patented running power slam, but Jake slips out the back and hits a DDT. Cornette pulls Jake off the pin right in front of the referee and surprisingly no disqualification. So Jake goes and gets the giant snake out of the bag, chases Cornette around the ring and the referee counts him out in a Another bout of poor officiating. It must have been the night for it here. Um, between the referee allowing Lex Lou to call for a bell before his opponent had come in, Randy Anderson shoving Ric Flair, and now this referee allowing Jake to be manhandled by the manager at ringside with no repercussions. But it is what it is. From there, we go to a training video of Shawn Michaels, followed by a training video on Bret Hart. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week, how Bret felt that it made Shawn look a lot younger and brighter and more athletic. It probably wasn't that far apart, but there is a touch of Shawn definitely being the one they're trying to shine. When we come back from commercial, our next contest is Goldust taking on Fatu. Goldust wears a kilt to the ring and actually gets him to wrestle wearing the kilt, doesn't take it off. Fatu hits some punches while Goldust is taunting the fans at ringside. He, he, Goldust walks into a backdrop. Before then, Fatu attempts a second backdrop, but Goldust drops to his back and hits two of his uppercuts from the floor. Fatu spanks Goldust for some reason, which is a little bit weird, and then drops the head to the balls. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Roddy Piper is on the phone. Just a nonsensical promo towards Goldust, nothing of note. Fatu hits a little bit of a diamond cutter variation before missing a top rope headbutt, allowing Goldust to put him in the curtain call for the 1-2-3. And then we go to a little bit of a hype package narrated by Vince for the return of the Ultimate Warrior. Not a lot to speak about in that match, but it was passable for the time they were given. 
We then have Vince McMahon in the ring interviewing Jim Cornette and Cam Cornette, Vader, the Bulldog, and Owen Hart. Um, it's just basically five minutes of Jim Cornette at his best running down all the different feuds, including accepting a challenge for his men to take on Jake the Snake, Yokozuna, and Ahmed Johnson at WrestleMania, as opposed to the Vader and Yokozuna singles match, which was originally planned. But as you will note from earlier episodes when Vader was making his debut, he has a shoulder injury at this time, so a singles match with Yoko is probably not the way to go, and a six-man will allow them to work around that and also probably be better quality. Quality. It's not going to just be two behemoths in the ring wailing away on each other. Our next contest after all this is Barry Horowitz taking on Diesel. So this one should be an absolute humdinger in Vince's words. <laughs> but before we go there, we see some footage from the Madison Square Garden assault that Vince talked about in the opening package, where Diesel was teaming up with Sean to take on Brett and Taker. He'd taken out Brett and The Undertaker with a chair, and then when Shawn Michaels turned his back, he nailed Sean with the chair as well, leaving all men laying. When this match gets started, Diesel checks under the ring for The Undertaker to make sure he's not there, and we go to a commercial before the first lockup. When we are coming back, we hear about the superstar line from good old JR, and then we see Diesel taking over in the corner with some strikes. A clothesline as Paul Bearer makes his way down to the ring, wheeling a casket. Diesel hits a sidewalk slam, but while he's distracted by Paul Bearer, Barry Horowitz sits and knees to the back and some punches. Doesn't last long on the offense, though, as Diesel nails him with a big boot for a two count. Diesel, though, after the two count, the kick out from Horowitz doesn't get off. He just sort of gets back to his knees, punches Horowitz square in the face, and then recovers him for a three in a strange finish to the match. He then grabs a wrench from the timekeeper and goes towards the casket to open it up, assuming the Undertaker's inside. He hears the Undertaker's gong as he goes to lift the lid, and when he opens it, Diesel is inside the casket. Yes, that's right, Diesel, or at least a wax version in a very famous angle that I thought was really well done and some good mind games here. So very cool. Kudos to the build on this one. I'm actually looking forward to it, despite the fact that I think it probably won't be a great match. In the splits, uh, in sort of the cutscenes between coming out of this and going to the commercial, we see Ted talking to the one, two, three kid and Tatanka backstage, but they kick them out. And then we go to our slam of the week which is Mark Henry press slamming Jerry Lawler that we talked about on the last show. When we come back, Diesel is still leaving the ringside area very, very slowly, a bit scared. And we're told next week we're going to see Shawn Michaels taking on Leaf Cassidy. So the more successful member of the Rockers taking on the least successful member of the new Rockers. We will also see Ahmed Johnson taking on Owen Hart, and that one could definitely go either way. We then go to our final contest of the evening, which is Tatanka taking on Brett the Hitman Hart. When things get underway, Tatanka hits an eye rake and some punches before Brett comes back with a clothesline off the second rope, some punches and an arm drag, and also a crossbody for a two count. The 1-2-3 kid makes his way down to ringside as Tatanka gets some kicks onto uh, Brett, puts him in a chin lock, then follows it up with a knee lift before Brett comes back with a small package for a two. Tatanka nails a big clothesline as we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, he hits a slam, comes off the top but eats a gut punch, Brett goes to the Russian leg sweep, the clothesline and the second rope elbow, but DiBiase distracts the referee, allowing the 1-2-3 kid to get a hold of Brett Hart, 
but Brett avoids and Tatanka nails the 1-2-3 kid. Brett then rolls up Tatanka for the three count. In a bit of a... I wasn't impressed with this ending. Tatanka got a lot of offense on Brett considering he's about to head to WrestleMania in the Iron Man match. And then he gets him with sort of a fluky roll-up after the heel miscommunication. Tatanka's not that big of a star in sort of WrestleMania season 96. Brett should be beating him with a sharpshooter and building some momentum to make himself look like the champion, basically. So not really a big fan of this one. We then go to some more Billionaire Ted stuff. And to be perfectly honest with you, when I saw that it was going to be on, I thought, oh, great, I'll splice some of this in as, as the raw sound bites. But it was utter shit. Please don't go back and watch it. It was really, it wasn't funny and it wasn't wrestling related anymore. It was just basically calling Ted a tax cheat. Not a tax cheat, it wasn't IRS. But um, just basically insulting his business tactics. And to be honest with you, I don't give a fuck. It just taking up valuable time on Raw. Vince really had his head up his ass with this te- billionaire Ted stuff at this point. It just needs to die a painful death. That'll do it for Raw. So I guess we're going to need to go over and pick ourselves a winner. With no messing about, we're going to get straight into it today. Um, the crowd heat was a little bit of a funny one because there was some weird cuts in both of these. Um, and we got some guys not really getting a reaction, the reaction they should have done on both shows. So I'm going to go with a tie. Um, the WCW crowd had its moments where it was quite hot, particularly during the LOD and Steiner's stuff. And actually were quite hot for Hogan this week as well. Um but, you know, silent for booty and a little bit shocked at the ending. The Fed crowd was really hot for Jake and gave a lot of heat to Camp Cornette and Gold Dust and reacted well to the Diesel and Taker stuff, but Brett and Tatanka didn't get the heat it should have done for the main event, so a tie there, no real clear-cut winner. For production, I'm going to go with WCW for trying something new and pulling it off, and that was the opening sequence, not going to the commentators, not having any announcement, just cutting live into the action. It made it feel must-see and live, so I'm definitely going to give WCW the edge this week. I thought they, they deserved that for really being innovative here. As far as characters go, WCW definitely take that as well because they get all their big name stars on the show and really have built well towards Uncensored. They didn't get the flyers on the show, the guys that I really want to see in matches, but they got the guys with name value on here. Storylines, I'm probably going to go with a tie. Um, I was leaning towards the WWF because of the Bret Hart, not Bret Hart, sorry, the Diesel and Undertaker stuff was really good. But WCW advanced all their storylines quite well as well. Um, the Brett and Sean stuff took a step forward, whether it was great or not, well, you can be the judge. But probably a tie is the fairest result there. Taking us through to match quality, and this one's WCW hands down. The Steiners and the LOD both put on good matches with the Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys. The main event was okay, and the Booty Man Arn Anderson match was nothing to write home about. But it beat all the wrestling on raw the the two tag matches beat all the wrestling on raw hands down so wcw nitro big win in the ratings and definitely a big win here in my eyes as well it was by far the more enjoyable show of the two and it would be a travesty to go any other way so that is our second last tv before wrestlemania and our last tv before uncensored so the next time i come to you with any 1996 stuff i should hopefully have carl on board with me and there'll be some different pieces from different periods of time coming up in the next few weeks as well stay tuned and listen to all of those and give feedback to myself and all the guests that come on as well if you can do and keep letting us know what you're liking about the show and what you would like us to add 
that's it for me today. If you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, it's been a long time since we had one. And with five and a half thousand listens, I think we've probably not got enough reviews for the amount of downloads we've got. So could really use some help there if you could. And I will speak to you all again in the very near future.
Just follow me.